Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word comes from, yet everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Everything from mountaintop beauty and deep forest to meth heads and extreme prejudice. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet to the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed downright unbelievable and tormenting historical atrocities. They have lived through everything from hauntings to cryptic creatures that show up and wreak havoc on their homesteads. The worst creature, though, may be man himself. I, being born and raised in these Appalachian Mountains, know that nothing is beyond a pale of belief, no matter how fantastic it sounds. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has a long legacy of unending tales and adventures. Come with me as I take you on a fantastic journey through these mountains, where things are not always as they seem. I guarantee you it won't be anything like you expected. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Season 2 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. How you doing, my good friends? Uh, sitting in with us again today is going to be Anna Lee, my daughter, and Kylie, my granddaughter. Say hello, girls. Hello, girls. Yeah, everybody's a comedian, ain't they? But thank you for swinging by today. There are times... As we've talked about, when good men rise to the occasion, those men become heroes not because they think they're Superman, but because they have character. They continuously do the right thing no matter what. They live by a set of principles that guide their every move and every decision. They are unwavering in their determination to see things through, no matter the risk and no matter the price. Sometimes it seems as though they realize something about our existence that here on earth that the rest of us just really can't comprehend. There's one individual that surpassed the greatest expectations placed upon him by the middle of the right in the middle of the worst war the world has ever seen and did it without harming a single other human being. What seemed absolutely impossible under any circumstances was made a reality by a single country boy from Appalachia. Come on in and take a load off and let me tell you all about it. Desmond Doss was born February 7, 1919 in Lynchburg, Virginia. He is the son of a William Thomas Doss who was a carpenter and Bertha E. Doss. His mother raised him as a devout Seventh-day Adventist and instilled Sabbath-keeping, nonviolence, and vegetarian lifestyle in his upbringing. He grew up in the Fairview Heights area of Lynchburg alongside his older sister, Audrey, and younger brother, Harold. Desmond attended the Park Avenue Seventh-day Adventist Church until the eighth grade. That's when the young men did what a good number of folks did at his age then, he found a job at the Lynchburg Lumber Company to help support his family because the country was in the middle of the Great Depression. Desmond was raised with a fervent belief in the Bible. When it came to the Ten Commandments, he followed them diligently. 
during his childhood, his father found and bought a large framed picture of him at an auction. It portrayed the Ten Commandments with colorful illustrations next to the words, Thou shalt not kill. This was a drawing of Cain holding a club and standing over the body of his dead brother Abel, and that was burning to Desmond's mind. Little Desmond would look at the picture and ask, Why did Cain kill Abel? How in the world could a brother do such a thing? In his mind, God said, If you love me, you won't kill. With that picture firmly embedded in his mind, he was determined that he would never take another life. However, there was another commandment that Desmond took just as seriously as the sixth. It was the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. His religious upbringing included weekly church attendance at the seventh day, or on the seventh day. When Pearl Harbor was attacked, he was working at the Newport News Naval Shipyard and could have requested a deferment, but he wanted to do more for his country. He was willing to risk his life on the front lines in order to save our freedom. On April 1, 1942, Desmond joined the United States Army. When he joined, Desmond assumed that his classification as a conscientious objector wouldn't require him to carry a weapon. He wanted to be an Army combat medic where he felt like he could save some lives instead of take them. As luck would have it, and as many of us who have signed up or signed on those papers soon learn, you, know, you go where they put you. At least that was the way it was when I was in there. Desmond ended up assigned to an infantry rifle company where he promptly refused to touch a weapon. His refusal to carry a gun with him caused him a whole bunch of trouble, not just with the commanding officers, but among his fellow soldiers. They viewed him with a disdain and called him a misfit. One man in the barracks warned him, Doss, as soon as we get into combat, I'll make sure you won't come back alive. His commanding officers wanted to get rid of the skinny, wiry Virginia mountain boy who spoke with a general southern drawl. They saw him as a liability that could get a bunch of people killed. It was then the belief of the United States armies that a soldier without a weapon was worthless. They tried to intimidate him, scold him, assign him to extra tough duties, and declared him mentally unfit for the army. Then they attempted to court-martial him for refusing a direct order to carry a gun. But all of that failed. They just couldn't find a way to get rid of him. And, to beat that, he refused to give up and leave. He believed his duty was to obey God and serve his country. But it had to be in that order. His unwavering convictions were most important to him. The army was frazzled (laughs) and uh, tried to find a way out that he had no other personal requirement. And he... Asked for a weekly pass so he could attend church every Saturday. And this was now two strikes against him, I guess. His fellow soldiers saw this Bible-reading Puritan as being totally out of sync with the rest of the U.S. Army. So they made fun of him, bullied him, called him awful names, and cussed at him. His commanding officers also made his life a living hell. Things began turning around a little bit when his fellow soldiers found out that this quiet, unassuming medic want to be had the way of healing blisters in their worn-out feet. So once he was doing that, they well, they 
kind of warmed up to him a little bit. And if maybe somebody passed out from heat, he was at their side offering me his own canteen. Desmond never held a grudge, which was yet another tenet of his faith. With kindness and gentle courtesy, he treated those who had mistreated him. He lived the golden rule, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Desmond was finally officially trained as a medic and served in combat on the island of Guam, Lady, Gulf, and uh, Okinawa. In each military operation, he exhibited extraordinary dedication to his fellow man. While others were killing and taking life, Desmond was busy saving life. When the cry medic rang out on the battlefield, he never considered his own safety. He repeatedly ran into the heat of battle to treat fallen comrades and to carry them back to safety. He did all this while enemy bullets whizzed past him and the mortar shells exploded all around him. Several times while treating the wounded soldier, Desmond was so close to the enemy lines that he could hear them whispering to each other. We're about to find out how heroic a human being can get. I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend with Larry Bentley. In May of 1945, as German troops were beginning to surrender on the other side of the world, Japanese troops were anything but ready to give up and fanatically defended their territory down to the very last man every time. Finally, the only remaining bears to an all-out allied invasion of their homeland were Okinawa and the Meade Escarpment. Desmond's unit was assigned to and repeatedly tried to capture the Medea Escarpment, which was a huge imposing rock face the soldiers called Hacksaw Ridge. After the company had secured the top of the cliff, they were stunned when Suddenly, enemy forces charged directly at them and a vicious counterattack. They'd waited until the whole company got up on the ridge to make it more deadly of an attack. Officers ordered an immediate retreat. Soldiers rushed to climb back down the steep cliff while bullets and artillery whizzed by and exploded all around them. There was one, though, that wasn't about to go anywhere. Less than one-third of the men had made it down, and the rest lay wounded, scattered across enemy soil, abandoned and left for dead, if they weren't already dead. The one lone soldier who disobeyed orders and charged back into the firefight to rescue as many men as he could, before the other, he either collapsed or died trying, was completely unarmed Desmond Doss. His iron determination and unwavering courage, as he one by one treated and evacuated the injured was completely staggering. He didn't just go into the overwhelming firefight once to save a life. He kept going back. In fact, he went back at least 75 times before they lost count, which resulted in at least 75 lives being saved that day. That day was May 5, 1945, Desmond's Sabbath. He had started the day out as best he could by reading scripture and praying, but when the fighting started and people got hurt, his whole day changed. Eventually, the Americans took Hacksaw Ridge. Then Okinawa was captured, inch by inch. Several days later, during an unsuccessful night raid, Desmond was severely wounded. He'd been hiding in a foxhole with two riflemen when a Japanese grenade landed at his feet. The explosion, <clears throat> explosion of the grenade sent him flying through the air. 
the shrapnel tore a hole in his leg all the way up to his hip. He treated his own wounds as best he could. Then while he was attempting to crawl to safety, he was hit by a sniper bullet that shattered his arm. His brave actions as a combat medic and work on the front lines was finally done but not before insisting that the stretcher bearers take another man first before rescuing him. Wounded in pain and losing blood, he still put others ahead of his own safety. He would actually choose to die so another could live. After all, that's what he read in the Bible. Such was the character demonstrated by Jesus Christ. Little did he realize that he would soon be standing on the White House lawn, receiving the nation's highest award for his bravery and courage under fire. Of the 16 million men that fought during World War II, only 431 received the Congressional Medal of Honor. One of these was placed around the neck of a young Seventh-day Adventist and a conscientious objector, who during combat had not killed a single enemy soldier. In fact, he refused to carry a gun. His only weapons were his Bible and his faith in God. President Harry S. Truman shook the hand of Corporal Desmond Thomas Doss and then held it the entire time his citation was read aloud and to those gathered outside the White House on October 12, 1945. I'm proud of you, President Truman said. You really deserve this. I consider this a greater honor than being even president. In addition to his Medal of Honor, Desmond Doss received a bronze star for valor with an oak leaf cluster signifying that he received two bronze stars. A purple heart with two oak leaf clusters signifying he received three purple hearts. The Asiatic Pacific Campaign Medal with three bronze stars and beachhead arrowhead signifying that he had served four co- combat campaigns including an amphibious landing under combat c- conditions. The Good Conduct Medal, the American Defense Campaign, and the not-so-common Presidential Unit Citation given to the 1st Battalion, 307th Infantry, 77th Infantry Division for securing the Medea Escarpment. This was only given to those who were there on Hacksaw Ridge that day. The Medal of Honor was established during the Civil War under President Abraham Lincoln in 1862. At the 100th anniversary of, in 1962, the other recipients of that award selected Desmond Doss to represent them at the White House ceremony. He had a pleasant chat with President John F. Kennedy. Before being discharged from the Army in 1946, Desmond developed tuberculosis. He would spend most of the next six years in hospitals. Cold, wet, sleepless nights shivering in a muddy foxhole on the islands of the Pacific had finally taken their toll. As the illness progressed, his left lung had to be surgically removed with five ribs with it. For the rest of his life, he survived on a single lung until it was, it too failed. And at the age of 87, Corporal Desmond Doss died on March 23, 2006, after being hospital, hospitalized with difficulty breathing. He is buried in the National Cemetery, Chattanooga, Tennessee, as one of America's greatest heroes. Watch the movie Hacksaw Ridge if you'd like to get an idea of just how heroic Desmond was. I hope you've enjoyed our story today. If you have, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to follow us, please. If you like even 
more episodes of all three podcasts, The Deviant Report, World of Murder, Mystery, and Legend, and Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. Please go to anchor.fm and pick up a subscriber for or subscribe for $1.99 a month for the extra episodes of all three podcasts. Please join join us up on Facebook group, Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend podcast, where we can discuss everything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back soon, maybe with the girls. What do you think, girls? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back soon with another Appalachian Murder, Mystery, or Legend. I'll see you then.